we we're going with uh, Mark. Um, continue with Mark. So Mark seven. So either fire up a Bible or a phone. Um, we're going to do something um, slightly different this morning in that we are. Um, th this is an account that you see in both Mark's gospel and Matthew's gospel, and there are there's some slight little variations in Matthew and Mark. So we're actually going to read. Mark's account, and then we're going to read Matthew's account back to back. Um, so if you want to know where it is in Matthew, it's in Matthew, um, it's in Matthew 15. So we'll read Mark 7, and then we'll read Matthew 15, and merge those two together, and then walk our way through it. Um, that's what we're going to do this morning. So let me, uh, let me read for us Mark 7, um, starting verse 24. He got up and departed from there to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, but he could not escape uh, notice. Instead, immediately after hearing about him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she was asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, because it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she replied to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, because of this reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. When she went back to her home, she found a child lying on the bed and the demon was gone. Turn to Matthew uh, 15. Quick, we'll read that one, um, verse uh, 21. When Jesus left there, uh, he withdrew to the area of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely tormented by a demon. Jesus did not say a word to her. His disciples approached him and urged him, send her away because she's crying out after us. He replied, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came, knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. He answered, it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she said. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus replied to her, woman, your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you want. And from that moment, her daughter was healed. Let me pray for us as we look at these verses this morning. Father, we, we love your word. We, we're grateful that we can, we can look at it. We can sit under its authority and voice and message even uh, in awkward online ways like this, we long to be in person and to share in the joy of hearing your word in person. But we pray that uh, this morning as we do uh, listen, that we would hear your voice, that you would speak um, living words to us out of, um, out of your word, that our hearts would be encouraged and strengthened, our faith would be challenged, we would be shaped by the teaching work of the Holy Spirit through your word uh, amongst us. And we 
ask that you would do this now for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so what, is this, uh, what is this encounter uh, about, this story about? Uh, there, and there are a few things that as you look at it, uh, maybe jump out at you. And I'm sure if you're not very familiar with this passage, suddenly you're thinking, well, we need to get to that bit where Jesus uh, looks like he's really been very unkind. Um, and see what on earth is what on earth is going on there, and, and we will we will get to that. Um, but I think the overarching uh, message that this is about is is about faith. Uh, that's what that's I think why this account is in the scriptures. This is a challenging word to us about faith. And if you have a look at the end of that Matthew um, account, Matthew's account, Jesus's response to her uh, is what. What's his estimation of her? He says to her in verse 28, woman, your faith is great. Your faith is great. Let it be done for you as, as you want. And so uh, what I want to, how I want to couch how we look at this uh, passage this morning is by examining um, this question, what is the kind of faith that Jesus, Jesus responds to? What is the kind of faith um, that Jesus responds to? Because that's the, the overarching thing you're left with as you look at this passage that Jesus responds to her and his estimation of her is that she is a woman with great faith. And because of her great faith, she gets what she's seeking. She's going, seeking Jesus for healing and Jesus, as it were, rewards her faith in him by doing for her uh, what she wants. And her daughter is healed in an instant. It's almost like a, an add-on. Uh, you know, like, it's just like a little postscript in the, in the, both the accounts, like, and the, and, and the daughter was healed uh, immediately. It's just like, you know, you just, you just had to say it and it happened uh, back at the house. The daughter's fine. There's the immense power and authority that Jesus displays again and again. We see it so often in Mark as we journey through here, but I want to have a look at, 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 I think I've got four, um, four aspects of her faith uh, that then challenge us this morning the kind of faith that Jesus responds to. Um, the first thing uh, I think that you see about her faith is that it's desperate. Uh, it's desperate. You, uh, you, you have a picture here, both in Matthew and Mark, of, of a desperate woman. Um, she comes in and between Matthew and Mark, they use different descriptions, but she comes and she falls at his feet. Um, she cries out to him. She's crying, Lord, um, son of David, have mercy on me. And she comes and, 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 and Matthew says she kneels at his feet. Um, even after he sort of said, told her almost basically to go away, like he's just come to the, serve, uh, the house of Israel. She comes and kneels at his feet and just like you just read it in Matthew's kind of like, Lord, help me. It's just such a simple um, cry of a desperate mother. Um, Matthew describes her daughter, uh, the mother describes her daughter in Matthew's gospel as being severely tormented by a demon, which it, it's a big deal. Um, you, you must imagine she's a, she's a Gentile. Um, I can imagine that she's tried everything else. It, 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 there's no description of what the severely tormenting uh, you know, experience by the demon is, how it's playing out in her life. But it's, it's enough to make this mom so desperate to break um, social norms, niceties, requirements and stuff and just 
like bust in there. Even when Jesus is trying to hide, it says there that Jesus enters the house. He doesn't want anyone to know where he is. He, he's basically seeking some time out again. He, he wants to be, he doesn't want to be recognized. He's not, you know, opening another branch of his ministry in this area. He's going there. He doesn't want anyone to know that he's there. And she, it says is immediately when she finds out that he's there, she's there and she's falling on the ground in front of him. It, it's difficult for us to really feel this, um, you know, because we're so far removed from the initial cultural context of this, but a, a, a Gentile woman coming and falling on her, on, on her knees in front of a rabbi uh, it is just like, it, it just doesn't happen. Um, everyone around would have just been like, are you kidding me? Like, what do you get, go away? And I mean, you, you, you hear the disciples, they're like telling her to get lost. They're like, look, she keeps on yelling. She keeps on calling out like, Jesus, tell her to go. She's, she's annoying us. I mean, the disciples are just, I mean, what a team. Um, but they're, they're, they're like, they're annoyed. And they're like, Jesus, tell her to go, man. She's just bugging us. Um, she's a Gentile. They, they would have known she's a Gentile. She's got no business hanging out here and coming interrupting the rabbi. And um, you just, as the more time you spend with the story, you just get the sense, this is a desperate, desperate mother. Um, you know, some of us have kids. Um, you know, other people have kids. You know, when, you, when your kids are sick, it's like a different level of parenting um, when your kids get sick. Um, like you feel you, you, you'd want to do anything to help them get better. And I can imagine this mother is just at her wit's end. Her daughter is severely tormented by a demon. We don't know how it plays out, but she's, she's got no other options. We don't know what else she's tried, but here she somehow gets wind of Jesus. And this area where she was was only about, it was about 20 or 30 Ks from where Jesus had been. Uh, and we had been doing ministry. So word had spread about Jesus. You know, he's becoming a, a, a famous, as it were, rabbi. He doing the kind of stuff he was doing. Word may have got to her. Uh, this miracle man, this, this amazing rabbi who can do things. And she thinks, I'm going to just do what I can. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust in here uh, and, and, and take a chance at getting close to him. There's a desperation. There's, there's nothing that, strike, that you see in the story that strikes you as being casual. She has no casual like, well, let me, let me go and see, maybe try. Like She's crying out. She's falling at his feet. Lord, help me. She's motivated by this desperation. And um, Jesus is moved by her desperate uh, situation. You see again and again in the Gospels how Jesus is moved by desperate people. And I think that's something that we need, we need to bank for ourselves. It's like how, how, how desperate are we um, in, our, in our faith, in our, in our pursuit of God? Uh, or is it a casual thing? Like we layer Jesus um, onto other things. We, we give him extra time if we've got some time we like sort of fit in faith in jesus and following him around you know other stuff that happens in our lives it's not a most of our lives are not marked by a, a desperate consuming a pursuit uh, of jesus and and here you see this lady who's a gentile challenging us um with the level of desperation that she shows that's the first thing that i think a kind of a faith that jesus responds to is a desperate faith that the second one is, is, is a persistent faith, is persistent. Uh, it's amazing. In the Matthew account, uh, Jesus initially ignores her. Uh, <laughs> he, just, he just doesn't say anything. 
um, which is <clears throat> it's quite strange. I mean, obviously Jesus knows what he's doing, but you imagine this mom, she's just like falling on his feet, crying, falling on, on at his feet, crying out to him. And he's just, he's just ignoring her. And then the more you must ignores her, the more she's crying out to the point where the disciples are getting all uptight and stuff and want to send her away. And then he comments about him being sent um, to the lost sheep uh, of Israel, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, saying like, this is, you know, this is in the Matthew account, he says, that's why I'm here. Uh -uh. I'm not sent to you Gentiles at the moment. Um, and uh, his response to her there in Mark's account, let the children be fed first because it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Uh, we'll dig into that now a little bit about what exactly his meaning there. But uh, what I want us to see here is the persistence of her faith. Because um, she's crying out to Jesus. Initially, he ignores her. And then when he does respond, he's basically blowing her off. He's saying like, look, I, I didn't really come um, for you and for Gentiles. And she could easily have just given up. So, well, I tried, you know. Um, yeah, I went and I, I asked and he ignored me and then he just sort of was, was seemingly unkind and, and she, could have just, she could have just left, taken offense and just been like, okay, well, I'm offended by this. This guy is obviously not all he's cracked up to be and just gone. Uh, but she's, she's persistent and she sees, she sees in Jesus' response to her a gap a, a gap in his story in his parable where she can then engage him on this this whole picture that Jesus presents of the of the table uh, with the kids eating their food and you know and not taking the food that's meant for the kids and tossing it to the dogs and she she she's one of the only people actually in the gospels who understands one of Jesus's parables immediately and she leans into it um, and she runs with this picture and she's like okay yeah 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 and she responds to him and says yeah, yeah good point but like even the kids make a mess and the crumbs like fall on the floor and the dogs get to chow the crumbs. Like, I just want a crumb. That's all I want. Like she's, she's like engaging with Jesus. She doesn't get offended by his response to and go. And I think the more, uh, or let, let's dive into this, this dog, um, this dog section here, because uh, I think <laughs> it can be a bit tricky when you read it, just to think like, wow, Jesus was having a really bad day. Um, I think it's, it's true to say that at that time, um, Jews did refer to Gentiles as dogs. Um, they, Jews had no time for Gentiles. There's lots of um, hostility between them. Uh, and that was one of the denigrating kind of slurs is that they would refer to, to, to Gentiles as dogs. <laughs> what you see here, though, um, and again, I'm not, I'm, we're not going to spend all of our time on it because it's not the main emphasis of this passage. Um, the word Jesus uses for dogs here is, is in a diminutive. So it's, he, there were stray dogs there. Uh, you know, they would just roam around the place and they were, they were quite dangerous actually. Um, and like, I mean, there are stray dogs that roam around the streets of Joburg and they're not particularly pleasant um, if you encounter them. Uh, he's not talking about that kind of a dog. Um, the, the Jews also had household dogs, like like some of us unfortunately have dogs. Like, so I, I didn't, did I say that out loud? Like if you've met my dogs, you'll know what I'm talking about. Like I have two two wonderful dogs that are free to a good home. Um, he's talking about that, like household dogs, and because he uses the diminutive, the the wording is almost like taking the food and giving it to the little dogs, to the puppies, like the dogs who sit under your table. Like if, if you have dogs. You know, we have this, like, we, we never have to clean up anything. 
we never even have to clean the floor because if you drop something off the table, our dogs won't even let it get to the floor. They'll get it midair. You know, they're like scavengers, but they have a welcome place under the table there. But they only get the scraps, you know, like even now and then John might try to feed them um, some of his dinner um, in a sneaky kind of way. Like I think we've all tried that growing up. But, um, you know, the kids get to eat first and the dogs get the, the scraps. And what Jesus is talking about here is household pets. Not, it's, not a, it's not a scourge. He's not calling her a dog. He's using an image, a parable to say, look, there's a priority in his ministry. And this is the main point of it. There's a, there's a priority in who he came for. He came to the house of Israel. He's come to the Jews. And he's come to call them in a primary and first place, call them to repentance. Because God is, they are God's chosen people. And the Messiah comes from amongst them, comes up from amongst them as one of them to call them back to God and to fulfill the promises that God has made these these covenant promises to this people that that through this chosen nation the Jews all the nations of the world would be blessed but it's starting with them and so he comes to those people he comes to the Jews so that through that and through his ministry there eventually the Gentiles will be reached there's a priority so he's not necessarily adding and jumping on the bandwagon and calling Gentiles dogs. He's more saying, look, I came to give the kids the um, dinner first. And if there's some crumbs that end up on the floor, you know, uh, we know and, and we can see in the scriptures that obviously Jesus is uh, for the nations. So he's, he's, not, he's not denigrating the Gentiles either. He's just trying to reinforce for her that there's a priority uh, in his ministry uh, but she latches onto this picture, and it's wonderful. And her persistence—that's what I want you guys to see. And what I want us, what I want us to be struck by—that that she's she's persistent. Uh, she she doesn't get thrown by this dog analogy kind of thing and be like, oh gosh, that's terrible. She she presses she presses in and continues to engage. In. And I think there's something there's something in there that's so challenging um, for us. I, I think we give up too easily. I think we give up too easily. We have been culturally conditioned to just for ease and for comfort and not really to struggle much. Um, and as I read this and spent time in this this week, I, I, was, I was reminded of different portions of scripture, you know, um, Jacob wrestling with God. Like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not leaving here unless you bless me. I'm not leaving here unless you bless me. I know, when was the last time we had an encounter like that with God? Like, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not going to do anything else, God, until you bless me, until you come through for me, until you answer. And I'm not like trying to strong arm God into doing what we want, but um, you see again and again in Scripture, people who have who, who desirous for God and desirous for more of God and desirous to see God do particular things. And, and there's a persistence in the praying. There's a, there's a kind of like... Um, boldness um a righteous boldness to continue to engage with god and to to beat on his door as it were until almost god relents or, or changes us or changes something and i think we are we are not very persistent we are just um we're a bit flimsy in our endurance and i want to i want to encourage us to be a persistent people who endure more in our prayers especially when we're praying for things that where god is glorified in the answering of those things in Hebrews uh, 11, it's a, you may know that famous passage on faith. Um, Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says this, 
Now, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists, God exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. That he rewards those who seek him. That, that, that's something that we, we, we don't take very seriously, I don't think. Like, that God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him, they, who persist. You know, the parable of the, of the uh, persistent widow um, longing, for, longing for justice. Just the, the judge relents because she just pesters him. There, there's something in there. There's something in, in, in what God has revealed to us in his word. He almost welcomes our persistence. He welcomes us to keep, to keep knocking, um, almost not to take no for an answer. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm not saying that we, we sway God and we can influence him, but I, I think we engage with God and sometimes his sovereign purposes come to pass because we are a persistent people and we, we pursue with great faith um, the presence of God and the, the move of God and the answers of God. The third thing I think you see about her, her faith is that um, it's the faith that understands grace. It's a faith that understands grace. If you, if you think of who she was, this context of what I said, she was this Gentile woman. Um, she is probably the most undeserving person uh, in the context, culturally speaking, for Jesus to do something for. And I think she understands that. She gets that, and yet she, and yet she still comes. Um, she still comes um, to Jesus, knowing that all she needs, as it were, in the picture is a, is a crumb. And I think she's a, she's, she's a perfect candidate for grace, isn't she? It, when we understand the gospel, it's the, it's the undeserving ones uh, who, 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 need, who need grace and who get grace. Um, I, think, I think she understands grace in ways that maybe sometimes we don't get. That it's, it's, it's the fact that you see yourself as undeserving that makes you a perfect candidate to be a recipient of the grace of the gospel. And it's incredibly challenging. And I think one of the truest markers of, of should be, the truest markers of those of us who call ourselves disciples of Jesus is living with this understanding that we, um, we're poor in spirit. And when Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit because theirs is the kingdom, that we live with this poverty of spirit that we don't deserve anything from God. But that makes us prime candidates to receive because he's the grace-giving son and he loves to give grace and to strengthen the poor in spirit. But you have to approach not deserving, not like an entitled child. We approach as almost this undeserving Gentile woman and say, Lord, we, we know we don't deserve anything from you, but we know, we know how you work. We know you lavish grace on the undeserving. And so we come with almost a great confidence. It's like we, we don't deserve this, but we know that you delight and you deal with undeserving people. It's, it's amazing. And the last thing uh, that I think we see in her faith and in a faith that moves Jesus is that she actually comes to Jesus. Um, she doesn't believe all these kinds of things and not actually act on it, not do anything. And I think sometimes we can talk about faith as if it's this, it's this set of beliefs that we have, or this is like this intellectual arrangement that we have in our heads that we subscribe to or ascribe to, but it doesn't actually play itself out in our lives. There's no, 
real day-to-day -day influence and shaping. And I think a faith that moves, um, that moves Jesus, that Jesus responds to, is, is a faith um, that looks to him and trusts him in every part and every moment of every day. That, that our lives are genuinely shaped. Like somebody, I can't remember who it was, and I didn't look it up properly, wrote a book on functional atheism. Uh, that you, we call ourselves believers and then we live as functional atheists. So if you look at your life, there's no actual, we, there's no change in our lives. We, we live as if God doesn't exist on a day-to-day -day basis. And yet we say we have faith. Oh yes, we believe in Jesus. We believe he came, la, la, la. But if you look at the way that we live and how we pray and what, you know, how, how, we, how we order our days, uh, how we prioritize things, the content of our prayers, how we make decisions, all of that. We're not a people living by faith. We almost live as functional atheists, almost as if God doesn't exist. Um, and here you see this day, she just, she comes, she comes to Jesus. And I think I want to, I want to encourage us in that, that we, we show on a day-to-day -day basis that our faith is not something that, it's not a belief that we have, it's a real world, real time influencing thing that directs every step of our lives. And it changes us and shapes us. And our reliance on God is evidenced and expressed in the way that we live. It's different to maybe how others live who, who don't have faith. Um, I suppose that's the most stark thing. Do our lives look different? Does our faith change the way that we live on a moment by moment, day to day basis? So those encouragements for us, I think this is the kind of faith that Jesus responds to, a desperate faith, persistent faith, faith that understands grace and the undeserving nature of how God uh, relates to us and deals with us and a faith that, that just comes, that comes to Jesus. Um, there's a lot more to see, but Zoom sermons must be shorter because blessed are the brief. So I'm gonna leave it there. Uh, this morning and um, I'm going to pray for us and then give us a chance to go into um, a breakout rooms and pray for each other and to discuss this and as we as we pray for those who stick around and go into the um, the breakout rooms I would encourage you to to pray for each other that that we would have this kind of faith that we would exhibit this kind of faith that um, I think Lockdown has done different things to everyone's um, walk with Jesus. Some people are far closer to him than they've ever been. And others are miles away and struggling to get any traction in their faith. And I would encourage you to, to share openly and honestly about the, the, the shape and the feel and the condition of your faith. And ask for prayer from your brothers and sisters in Christ um, that we would desire God more. We all need to be praying that for each other. Pray for a greater desire and a longing for God and that our faith would evidence itself in working its, itself out day to day. So um, let me pray for us and then we can go uh, into, our, into our rooms. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for um, yeah, the gift of your word, the gift of this account that can encourage us of this um, Gentile mothers, uh, uh, amazing her, her great faith, as you as you called it, um, that you you delighted in and that you rewarded, um, and yeah, we pray for ourselves this morning. We pray that uh, you would give to us 
and 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 stir in us a greater faith in you a greater greater belief in you greater desire um, for you a longing for you father that we would be a people who are not who are not satisfied with just and as it were um, wandering around in the shallows we want we want to know more of the depths of relationship with you of your presence of seeing you work in our lives we acknowledge that um, there are many areas maybe where we've we, we've given up or we've lost faith in seeing you move in different areas maybe in relationships with people in our own um, sin struggles our futures in our nation in, in the salvation of people that we long to see come to Jesus. And we pray that you would um, move in us again this morning and give to us greater faith to believe you again, that you're a God who does move, who does work, who does respond and responds to the faith that we place in you, that, that you are a loving God who longs to act in ways that glorify your own name. And so we pray that you would be doing that in our lives and through our prayers and and gracing us with deeper desire for yourself that we would draw near to you and that you would reward those who seek you we pray that we would see that and we know that the reward is often just more of you which is what we, we, want, we want to say that this morning that's what we long for we long for more of you and so we pray you would reward us with more of yourself that that would satisfy our hearts and give us great uh, great joy in your presence again this morning we ask these things together in your name amen